Welcome, explorers. And today our guest is Dr. Greg Hammer, and he's a Stanford professor and a paediatric intensive care physician and a mindful expert and the author of Gain Without Pain, the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals. Now, although we're not all healthcare professionals, we can all do with some extra happiness. So thank you for being on board, Greg. Wonderful to be with you, Lorraine. So when I'm researching you, your main thing is about gratitude. So how important is gratitude to us? Well, gratitude is obviously intrinsic to happiness, but, um, you know, my approach actually puts gratitude together with acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. So we can talk about those other elements if you like, but it starts with gratitude. The GAIN, GAIN is an acronym for those four elements, which I consider to be foundational, gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. Yeah. Gratitude, I as I said, essential. I think, um, you know, it's intrinsic to happiness. You can imagine somebody who is poor and happy or somebody who is physically challenged and happy, but you can't even really imagine somebody who's ungrateful and happy. Mm. So I think that puts a kind of a fine point on it. Uh, and, you know, frankly, we all have so much for which to be grateful, no matter how unfortunate our circumstances are. Um, I would say off the top that uh, what's happening in Israel right now is just heartbreaking from several points of view. Uh, but even when we have something catastrophic, and hopefully most of us won't have anything that catastrophic ever happen to us. Mm. But, um, you know, many of us have lost a child. So I have, in fact, lost my son six years ago. I have another child. I'm grateful for her. She's like a perfect daughter. I'm grateful for so many other things. My community, my neighbors, my work, my dog. So there's there's so much for which to be grateful. But unfortunately, we we have brains that are wired in ways that appear to interfere with our ability to be happy. And one of them is we have a negativity bias. Mm. So we're not necessarily wired to be grateful. We often focus on the negative rather than the positive. I read somewhere that according to one study, 80% of our thoughts are negative and 20% are positive. And that makes sense to me. I believe that. Yeah, it makes sense I to me. I think we're, we're disposed to get out of bed in the morning and focus on that our back aches a bit. Uh, and we, we focus on that. That message gets reinforced in our brains that when we wake up, we're going to focus on something that is physically bothering us. We ignore the fact that all of the other things about our body's physiology are working so perfectly. The fact that we have to get out of bed and, and go into the bathroom and empty our bladder involves a lot of physiology that has to be working well. And so, uh, again, that's just a, a small point about how our thoughts go to the negative. We're all wired that way. It's not anybody's dirty little secret. But that does tend to prevail and, and often kind of casts a shadow over, over our ability to be grateful. Yeah, and I think, too, sometimes what we, we confuse is being grateful doesn't mean 
putting a positive spin on everything either. You know, like because what what you get is people overshadowing things like reality with you know this positive um, lip service. But gratitude is actually something that you've got to feel. You've got to you know got to apply some effort to. Well, I think you just pointed out <clears throat> the next two elements of gain. The first one is acceptance. So that is really an acknowledgement that things are not all rosy. And so it's not just all about gratitude. You have to also pay attention to those elements, experiences in our lives that represent discomfort and pain and actually have a plan by virtue of which you can let those into your heart and even nurture them and therefore gain the ability to live with that discomfort or pain without resisting it. And the I in gain is intention. And here, it's important for us to have purposefulness or a plan, as you mentioned, to deal with life and the fact that the world doesn't seem to comport with all of our wants and needs. So if we're going to deal with our negativity bias, if we're going to deal with those painful experiences in life, we need to have a plan. We need to have a strategy. It doesn't come naturally to us. We're naturally negative and have a hard time being present. So if we want to be positive and happy, which means being present, enjoying the fullness of this moment, then we have to have a plan. We have to have a strategy. It's going to take a little bit of work, but you know the good news is that our brains have this magical quality called neuroplasticity, and that means that we can literally change the way we think if we have a plan. Yeah, I agree. And it's um, when how does gratitude re- rewire our brain? How does it work? What are, what, what are we changing? Again, I think that we have many ways of thinking that are deeply ingrained into the circuitry of our brain. And, and I think these neural patterns, this connectivity go back in some cases, tens of thousands of years and are are sort of hardwired through evolution. So for example, we might imagine our forebears 75,000 years ago, sitting around a fire in a cave. And for the parents, for the adults, they had to be wary. They had to be kind of thinking of the worst thing that can happen or catastrophizing. Yeah. Um, overly thinking the future, maybe not overly for them, Um, perhaps focusing on the future and the worst thing that could happen and being rather negative was adaptive for them. It allowed them to live longer. There might be a saber-toothed tiger actually lurking outside the mouth of their cave. So if they were cognizant of that and worried about it, then they might live longer. They might have more offspring. The genes that code for this way of thinking tend to propagate within the population. And here we are 75,000 years later, and we're kind of stuck with these ways of thinking. The fact is that for most of us, we don't have a saber-toothed tiger lurking outside the mouth of our cave. Mm -hmm. It's not a possibility. Um, There are some exceptions to that. I think for people in Israel, there might well be the possibility of bombs dropping outside their house. But In general, most of us don't have to worry about that, and yet we do. We do cast our thoughts forward into the future and tend to catastrophize when you combine our 
distraction with the future and the past with our negativity bias. You get, with respect to the future, overthinking the future, a lot of fear and anxiety. Yeah. And with regard to the past, when you overthink the past with your negativity bias, you tend to generate a lot of regret and shame and low self-esteem. And this leads to depression. And depression and anxiety are two of the major causes of unhappiness, let's say. So when we rewire our brains by having a daily practice, let's say, having a plan to sit down every day and embrace the gain element, starting with gratitude, we start to gradually think in a new way. And that starts with gratitude. So just by sitting down and pondering internally those elements for which we have to be grateful, we start to become more grateful. And when we find that when we are in fact being ungrateful and we're kind of whining about our circumstances, a little light bulb goes off and reminds us that we're being ungrateful and we can have a little laugh to ourselves and simply be reminded about all these positive, all these wonderful things in our life. And so that really does start, I think, with gratitude. Yeah, I agree. And it, and it is funny how we concentrate on the negative. You can, you know, people can go out for the night and there can be a hundred things that happen wonderfully. And that one thing or that one person said one thing to them, that's what they'll go home and think about. So it, it discounts all the good things. So gratitude is, is a way of pulling in and recognizing and even it's it's sort of having an appreciation for the things that work for us absolutely or give enjoyment etc yeah i mean to that point i tell a story in the book about a resident that i work with a, a lovely young woman and we have four difficult cases in the operating room and she performs beautifully well beyond her years of training and that includes a lot of procedures, putting in tubes and catheters and, and doing nerve blocks. And she has uh, trouble getting a, a little catheter in an artery in a, in a baby. And so I step in and do that. But she does all the other procedures. And there are many really flawlessly. Her patients wake up comfortable, uh, safe. They have good outcomes. Uh, we debrief at the end of the day. I, I give her an A+, plus, tell her what a great job she did. She goes home. She has dinner with her husband and she told me this the next day. And then as she's getting ready for bed, she's kind of taking stock of her day. And does she think about all the things that went well, which was by far the majority? No, she thinks about not getting that arterial catheter. uh, And I had to come in and do that. That's what she thinks about. And that's just a, a very common sort of example of our negativity bias. The other and, thing, and that's is, what you're that's what you're saying in your plan is to w- recognize when you're doing that. Absolutely. And, so yeah. have a plan even with regard to gratitude. And and there's a wonderful study that's ongoing at Duke University. It's called Three Good Things, and one can just search for that online. Three Good Things, Duke University, and basically you can join the study online. And you simply pledge to think of and ideally write down and communicate online three good things that happen during the day as you prepare to go to sleep at night. And 
what they found, the investigators, is that through serial surveys, happiness validated uh, quality of life surveys, that people after a few weeks of this practice of three good things, again, something that takes no time while they're turning down the bed linens, they just simply think of three good things. It might be something that's work-related. It could be, you know, I had a great day at work. I connected with a colleague. Uh, I had a wonderful dinner with my family. I had some time to read a book at night. I put my kids to bed. So take three of those things, good things, and just consider them um, and be grateful for them. What the investigators found is that after several weeks of doing this and then stopping for months thereafter, those participants are happier. So I think that's a great example of A, having a plan or intention. Yeah. Next, being grateful. And it really represents very poignantly our ability to rewire our brains, our neuroplasticity. So, you know, happiness begets happiness. Positive thoughts beget positive thoughts. Yeah. And this has been proven, really validated scientifically. Yeah, and it and I always, you know, when people um, argue the point and go, "Well, nothing great happened to me today," it's like you're breathing. Start with that. Be gratitude. Yes. Have gratitude for breathing. Yeah, as you my know, friend Doug would say, uh, yeah. you know, you're on the right side of the grass today, so just be <laughs> grateful for the day. Yeah, that's yeah. There's your bonus. <laughs> but it, it it you can be that you know, like if people are in hard times. And, it, and they're struggling to find something. It can be as simple as that, um, um, upright, um, you know, because one of the things that takes away our gratitude too is, is that, that desire to compare ourselves, which has become stronger and stronger in people. And, and we're comparing ourselves to an image of someone, not actually their, their real life or how they're feeling about themselves. We're just, you know, our perception of this image that we're presented. And that seems to be taking a lot of people into more of that depression sort of state. Well, that's the end and gain is right. judgment, non-judgment. So yeah. we do judge others often negatively, but as you said, we may idealize other people. You know, the, the grass is always greener on the other side, as we say, or the, or the people are more spectacular, you know, than, than we are. We judge them against ourselves. And we can either judge them negatively, and that's unfortunate because we miss out on the ability to have a positive relationship with people who are undoubtedly largely good. Yeah. And the other thing is we can judge ourselves very poorly. And, you know, there are lots of data showing that we are our own worst or most harsh critics. So we do tend with our negativity bias to judge ourselves negatively. And and that, I think, is probably the most ingrained bit of neural connectivity, the bit of wiring, yeah. uh, the most challenging, perhaps, to change. So we can learn to be less judgmental of others. I think it's more challenging to be less self-judgmental. And that's very unfortunate. I mean, that's certainly, I think that is, in fact, my biggest challenge. I don't think I know anyone that that's not their biggest challenge. You know, like so because it's it's that we can find anything. And if there's nothing present, we like you said before, we can go back in the past or we can jump forward in the future. So we can find something to attack ourselves on very easily. So and, and it is hard to break 
that pattern, especially especially if you've got a background where it's been really conditioned into you, you know, that you've got a lot of, um, you know, trauma or, or abuse or that kind of thing. It's very, it is very hard to break, but, you know, it's like your, um, your, your three gratitude things at night. Once you start and you put your intention to it, you become part of the, the, the driver in the driver's seat. You, you start changing the momentum because your intention's different. So Absolutely. I like that you've got those four together, gratitude, acceptance, intention and non, non-judgment because they do work beautifully together and they support each, each component, supports moving to the next and moving around instead of just jumping out and hitting our self-judgment and, and potentially self-loathing for some. Yes, and I think, there, you know, the, the four elements of gain are really interwoven. Yeah, so they, one comes up when you're discussing the other. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I really think you have to sort of take the totality of those four elements into consideration when you are making a plan to be a happier person. Yeah. And the really good news, as I said, is we do have this power to do that. We have this, our brains have this property called neuroplasticity. That means the plasticity means they can be reshaped. And that is great news. So, you know, let's take advantage of that. Yeah. Let's have some gratitude for that. <laughs> well, it is because it's something we forget. We get we get so stuck. You know, I work with people and and when they're looking at I look at for emotional patterns, right? So once you can identify the pattern, then you can start intercepting it which is what the intention part of what you've got here is talking about is change the intention. And if, if you've ha- I've got an emotional pattern that you're unconscious to, you know, you're unaware of the reality of it, you're living it, you don't realise how unconscious you are to it, but it's sort of, you know, it's sort of like the, the tail wagging the dog instead of the dog wagging the tail. The more intention we put to understanding ourselves, the 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 more significant we find we naturally are and we start to change our value system. So instead of all these external forces telling us what we should be valuing, all of a sudden we can start working out what we actually value and most of us value happiness. I think all of us do. I think that's the one thing that all, I guess now almost 8 billion of us want. It's just to be happy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and definitely. I'm not a psychologist, but to me, it seems like uh, it, perhaps all emotional, psychological problems come down to these four elements. Um, you know, is is this person just ungrateful, unable to really see the positive and and express gratitude and really experience gratitude? Is this person uh, unable to accept? So it's the why me, it's the over and over, you know, why did this happen to me? And there's a formula in my book, suffering equals pain times resistance. We love formulas in medicine. So suffering equals pain times resistance. And I can say that the pain is there. How do we manage that pain? If we resist, that means if we really just never, we try never to think about it, we you know, if it, if it relates to another person, perhaps somebody that we've had a row with, we try, we depersonalize them. That's a form of resistance. 
So if we resist, it just magnifies our suffering. The pain is the same, but our suffering is greater. So acceptance might be considered the inverse of resistance. So it's, it's one over resistance. And then it becomes suffering equals pain divided by acceptance. So if we make the acceptance big, then the pain over this big number of acceptance becomes a small number and that suffering, our suffering is diminished. So I think that emotional psychological problems, spiritual disconnectivity come from the inability to be grateful, the constant resistance to that which is uncomfortable or painful, the lack of being purposeful. And, you know, this takes a degree of discipline. You know, you have to execute your plan even when sometimes you don't feel like it. Yeah. So if it's the, the three minute game practice every morning, there has to be a little bit of discipline. It's only three minutes, but you might wake up and not want to do it. And I think maybe sometimes we think we don't deserve to be happy. So I'm not going to do that because it's all about happiness. So there's a little bit of discipline involved, not much, but some. And so some people can't muster that or they're blocked. They don't want to do something that is designed to make them happier. And then the non-judgment, it's, it, you know, some people are just unable. They don't really know how to get the traction to learn how to drop the judgments. Mm. And so in the gain practice, it's, it's really a three minute contemplative meditation. Most people think, you know, many people think meditation has to be a half an hour sitting perfectly still, possibly in an uncomfortable position, banishing all thoughts from your head. No, this is a three minute meditation sit in a comfortable chair and I'm going to give you things to think about. So it's the opposite of banishing all thoughts. And yeah. when we get to the end and non-judgment, one approach is to picture the earth apparently suspended in space. One of these beautiful NASA images and recognize that the earth, all, although beautiful is really intrinsically neither good nor bad. It's just a planet. And if you repeat this thought, it becomes logical to assume that we too are just human beings. So I am simply the person that I am. I am neither good nor bad. I am simply the person that I am. I am. And we return to the focus on the breath and open our eyes and we're ready to go out in the world. But again, I think that unhappiness comes down to uh, these four elements, uh, either, you know, someone is just unable to be grateful is constantly resisting the truth when it's uncomfortable, can't stick to a plan at all. However simple it is, maybe okay. they don't deserve it. So they resist the plan and they just have a hard time dropping the judgments of others. And most importantly themselves, I, to me, that frames just about every psychological disorder, if you will, you're probably much more expert at that than I am, but that's uh, my impression. But I agree with you. I spend a lot of time, and I've even had to do this for myself, is accepting reality, accepting what is, not not comparing it to what I want, but accepting it what is. And and you you would have went through that with your the, the death of your son. Is like that's part of our grieving process is getting to that point of acceptance and it's not it's not easy and we can have complete logic 
and complete understanding that it can be no other way. And emotionally, we'll still try to fool ourselves. So, you know, I spend a lot of time getting people to work out their way because we've all got our own individual way of accepting what they have experienced, taking the lessons that they can out of it and then allowing themselves permission to move forward because you see a lot of that's why people get emotionally stuck is because they're resisting or or trying to avoid, you know, I go resistance, avoidance and denial and codependent on whatever it is that's going to let them do that from reality. But when when we intentionally decide to be present, you know, our reality is multi-layered. There's so many different elements to it that create a moment, create a change, create all different things that, that we are, then you realise that you can't be in control of it. So our expectations then become sort of non and void. And, and I don't mean goals and I don't mean aspirations and I don't mean that. But when when things happen that are out of our control and they're the complete opposite to what we want, the only place that we that is going to give us any peace is pure acceptance. Yes. And, yeah, and it's it's not always easy but it is always rewarding once you get to that point. But it, it is, you know, I know it's cliche to say a journey but it is actually a you know, a path you got to walk before you can get there. And I sometimes see people that are trying to force themselves, you know, like I know, you know, my logical brain says this, this is reality, why can't I just, you know, get on with it and, you know, and then they try to use suppression to to push down all those feelings and I was like, actually, you've got to go the opposite. You've got to let yourself experience them, be honest about them, which is in that non-judgmental way. You know, so so that you can then work out how you feel so you can move forward. Otherwise, again, you get stuck. So so gratitude, acceptance and intention. I, I normally when I in in I do a self-reflection course and I talk about intention, purpose and consequences. And intention is that you have decided that this is what you're going to value. This is what I'm going to put time into. And whether it is three minutes or, or you know, because I believe that for me, if, if you're going to try and evolve or you're, you're going to try to deal with your emotions, you've got to have some form of re- self-reflection skills. So the, these here, the, the gratitude, the acceptance, intention and non-judgment, I look at them and they're fundamental to self-reflective skills. So, you know, we're sort of on the same page. It's important to, for me, for sure, just to keep it simple. Yeah. So I I have a spiritual practice that's called Advaita Vedanta or non-duality. It's ultimate simplicity. There's no dogma. There's no 10 steps to this or 12 ways to that. I can't (laughs) remember that many things. So I, I distilled it down to me to what, I think are the most important four elements and and that's the acronym GAIN. And I think when we are feeling unhappy, it's helpful to have a framework. Why am I unhappy? What's going on at the moment? And simply consider those four elements. In fact, maybe go find a quiet place to sit 
and do the practice where we just close our eyes, we focus on the breath, we slow the breath down. So we may breathe in to a count of three, pause to a count of three, and exhale slowly to a count of four. Repeat that. We're activating our parasympathetic nervous system. Just mm. the act of referencing and slowing down the breath brings us a reduction in heart rate, blood pressure, blood sugar, cortisol, adrenaline, these very positive changes. And then we just go through the 30 or 45 second contemplation of each of those four gain elements and then return our focus to the breath. Sit down and do that practice when one is feeling unhappy and can't really identify why, or just go through those four elements mentally. You know, am I unhappy because I'm, I'm not appreciating what's around me and all the gifts I have, my friends, my family, my loved ones, uh, my pet, my community, even my work? Is it yeah. that I'm failing to be grateful for these things? Am I resisting rather than accepting? And maybe something uncomfortable come to mind. And maybe that's why I'm in a bad mood. That's why I'm having trouble being happy right now. I'm, I have this conflict with somebody and I'm just pushing it away. Why don't I just sort of breathe and let it pass through me? Let my muscles relax, just go to acceptance. So I think it's really helpful to have these this framework that I think is very simple and rather all encompassing. I think yeah. sometimes I think we make things too complicated and, and people who are listening just sort of throw up their hands and say, I, I can't, I don't even remember what they just said. <laughs> so it's uh, it can be rather simple. Yeah. And it can be, and it starts somewhere. You know what I mean? Start somewhere. What, what got you into mindfulness? What, what, what brought you into really exploring that? I think I've always been, um, a seeker, you know, been a meditator off and on throughout most of my life. And then 12 or so years ago, I just had a realization that that for which I was looking is already there. And I don't need to look, I just need to kind of sink into it, sink into that knowledge, that awareness. And, uh, you know, then I just started really focusing on doing just that. And, you know, my meditation became very simple. And, you know, I think the gain concept sort of arose maybe five years ago or so. I thought to myself, well, I, I joined a, a directive at Stanford called WellMD, which was a group convened to address the growing prevalence of burnout among physicians. Yeah. And... I started, uh, I was invited to give a talk on burnout and wellness and then another talk and another talk. And then I had a sabbatical. So I thought, well, I, I, I'm developing a message here. What's the best way to get it out? And writing a book seemed like it would be the right thing to do. So just kind of self-propagating journey, I think starting from when I was a child uh, up until the present time. So it's, it, it has indeed been a process like, as you pointed out, like life itself, there really is no destination. We're just, we're on a path and that's what's important. And I think when we go to non-judgment, let's remember that our brains are wired the way they are through tens of thousands of years of evolution. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with us that we think this way. This is the way we all think. Yeah. And therefore, let's not judge ourselves harshly. 
let's just sit with it, allow it and drop the self-judgment. And, you know, I think when we do that, then we're really ready to take the next step forward. This is all just baby steps. That's how we learn through, through small steps and repetition. So the game practice, for example, is a very small step. It's a brief practice, but we take one step after another, after another, and weeks to months down the line, we look back and realize that we're actually beginning to think differently. Yeah. That when we start to judge somebody or ourselves, we have that light bulb moment and we recognize what we're doing and we have a plan to drop that. And then we do, and we have a little laugh to ourselves, and we get a little hit of dopamine instead of a little hit of adrenaline. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's all very easy to accomplish. Our expectations should be low. It's baby steps one after the other. It's a journey. Yes, it is. So I'm going to ask you the big question. What do you think we need to acknowledge and understand for, for us to evolve? for humanity to evolve? I'm going to go back to this gain practice. I think these are the fundamentals. I think if we embrace gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment, we will think differently and our behavior, therefore, will be different. I think we, we will treat others with more kindness, we'll be better listeners, we'll be more present, we'll treat ourselves better. We'll, we'll drop some of the self-judgment. And I think when we do those things, we become more social people. We become, uh, you know, we act in accordance with what is becoming our true nature, really unveiling our true nature, I, I should say. I think this happiness and goodness is our true nature. It's just become apparently veiled by a lot of conditioning and, and maybe evolution. And so, I think just going down to this basic practice, we become better people. We become more ecologically minded. We become more socially minded. We recognize the importance of community to a greater degree. And I, I honestly think, Lorraine, that, that that's where the secret is. Um, we have to go to sort of the fundamentals rather than identify something that sort of further down the line, if you will, as being the most important thing to, to survive on this planet. I think we have to go back to the fundamentals that involves really just ourself first. And I if we do that one person at a time, I think we can make the planet a better place to live. Yeah, I agree. Because I think as, as you understand yourself better, then you sort of understand others better. So, so you start that compassion becomes quite natural you know if, if you take judgment out you're going to get compassion and if and if you can be more present within yourself which is what the whole practice is about being then all of a sudden you can be more present in in the bigger realities of life which then creates the intention right uh, to do something yeah whereas when when we're pulling from external this is for everybody then it's all these interfering messages and desires and, and, you know, conditioning, like you said, are going to get in the way of you understanding your own sense of self, which then creates a value system that works for you 
So I think it's very important. And I often say to, especially guys, I say to them, you know, do you play golf? Yeah. Well, you know, when you're walking around the golf course, do you think? Yes, I do. All right. Well, how about intentionally think? You know, how about some self-reflection about, you know, what you're actually experiencing and what you're contributing to what you're experiencing? And all of a sudden you've got a little game changer there because we kind of believe we're sitting on this bus and going for a ride, but we're all in the driver's seat. (laughs) You know, we're not holding the wheel sometimes, but, you know, we are actually in the driver's seat of our own existence. So, and I would say when you're walking toward your ball down the fairway, pause and be grateful at the beautiful environment in which you're fortunate enough to be able to play this game. Yeah. And accept the fact that maybe your ball went into the water or the sand trap and that you're not perfect and that, you know, rather than get frustrated by the fact that your game is not better, just accept that you are who you are. You're neither good nor bad. Your game is your game. Yeah. And remind yourself that you have a plan to do this when you're walking toward your ball, maybe repeatedly, maybe a couple of times each set of nine or 18 holes. Yeah. And then drop the judgment of the people that you're playing with and (laughs) even yourself. So you can do the whole thing while you're walking to uh, try to find your ball on the fairway. That's it. So that, that, that's, that's the key message. You can do this anywhere. So it's, it's, it's a really, and have some fun with it. You know, like it's meant to be, you know, I, I love when, even in tense moments, you see people laugh and people go, why are they laughing? Oh, they're breaking the momentum. You know, they're, it's, it's a tension laugh, but they're breaking the momentum of the tension and they're going to feel better. And then, then, you know, and then once you feel better, you get a bit more clarity. So all this stuff sort of flows on together if, if, we, um, if we allow ourselves instead of, you know, holding to those conditions. So, so I think it's time to play flip the book. So would you like book one, two or three? I think I'm going to take book one. Book one. Well, there you go. Well, that's um, your insight and awareness book, and which is having a bit of a run at the moment. So you've got one to 430 pages to pick from. What I page? usually go to page 237. 237. Under these circumstances. <laughs> okay. So you have two paragraphs to pick from, which we don't uh, I when someone says I have two questions, I usually suggest they ask me the second one first. So I'll go to the second paragraph. Okay. So, and this is under the heading of soul blueprint. When you truly feel the conscious energy of your soul and trust your blueprint, you start to trust the whole process of your rise and fall from grace and observe all of your experiences as opportunities to learn from life as your soul blueprint intended. I like that for you. I, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, because that's, that's what you're classing as mindfulness, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to do one extra for you just because you'll, get, you'll love this. So in the back of um, Breaking Free, which is actually a book for abuse victims, but in the back of it is, is what I refer to is your core essences. So acceptance and your four uh, core essences. So could you give me a number between 189 and 215? How about 110? 
Oh, 189. I see. Yeah. Okay. How about uh, 210? We'll go to the back. Okay, brilliant. You have four paragraphs to pick from. I'll go to the fourth. Fourth. Okay, so one of the core essences, which you'll actually feel within your soul, is serenity, right? Serenity is to have unclouded awareness coupled with your natural ability to trust yourself as a soul of truth. It is the still calmness felt within the depths of your soul. Serenity is to be free from fighting against what has already befallen you. Serenity results from choosing to accept there is value in being present in your reality, armed with the willingness to be completely truthful. I think you hit on on all the fundamentals there with regard to serenity. Yeah. Seeing yeah. things through a cloud is judgment. When we judge things, we see them through our own biases. We don't see them as they truly are. So dropping that looking through a cloud experience gives us clarity and serenity. And so I, I love that. I like that too. And I think that that's how we find serenity, you know, like or how we how we even create serenity within ourselves is to drop drop that judgment and um, give ourselves permission to see ourselves without all that bias to our negative. I want to thank you for being part of the show today. I've um, enjoyed the conversation. Likewise, Lorraine. Thank you very much. <laughs>